Welcome to you know, the and I just chat amongst ourselves while we're waiting. <laughs> oh, <f> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> I'm co-host James Ash. And I'm co-host Phil Scaife. Welcome to the Business Lockdown. Welcome to the Business Lockdown, the round table. Today we are exploring and discussing Netflix special, The Social Dilemma. We tweet, we like, and we share. But what are the consequences of our growing dependence on social media? As digital platforms increasingly become a lifeline to stay connected, Silicon Valley insiders reveal how social media is reprogramming civilization by exposing what's hiding on the other side of your screens. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident, that's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up. And we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. So welcome back to the show, good friend of ours, Mr. Phil Pond of Scarlet Opus. And for those watching on YouTube, uh, Debbie Harry as well. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you. It's good to see you guys again. Uh, it's great to have you back, Phil. I mean, your business, Scarlet Opus, is one of futurism, uh, predicting the rise and falls of trends and consumerism. And, uh, and you believe in the use of human connectivity and emotions to analyze and predict trends and prefer this method uh, much more than looking at statistics and data. So it's really awesome to have you on our roundtable episode today to be discussing 
the social dilemma. And, um, and I did say, I, I would ask the first question, which all of the experts from Silicon Valley struggled with. But I'm gonna move that to the second question. And the one for all of us, based on that trailer and based on the episode, it is, are we <laughs> <laughs> And that's up, I'll, 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 the floor is open to either of you guys to, to answer that first. <laughs> I think the nice thing about that, uh, James, from my viewpoint, is that we probably have been for quite a while and none of us noticed. Yeah, but uh, it's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> Phil? Yeah, content in the uh, in the current status of already being being. F- um, I well, I mean, is 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 the power with them or is the power in the user? Is it is it, and that's that's the that's the question and the answer, isn't it? It's um, it, if if we if we allow it to continue and we're passive, and then yeah, most likely, <laughs> in short. Uh, have we uh, when you when you say because this this came up in the um, in the documentary if if we allow it you know it seems that it's it's all it's too late that it's out of our control and and i know we're talking about the social dilemma today but what springs to mind is that there was a joe rogan podcast with elon musk and joe rogan asked him about ai and he said you know um wh- when is it going to take over and and he made a really good point that he says it already has you know, when, with these devices, it's just it's just really slow now. It's just a slow that it that it's actually physically disconnected in a way. That it's that it's only a matter of time before it's actually with, with, with you know within us and it's and it's rapid fire. So yeah, it, based on the, on the program, is it too late? I mean, the, the 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 question, the second question is, which all the experts struggled with, and it was interesting watching their body language on the documentary when they were asked the question is what's what's the main problem what is the main problem and uh, and and how would you guys answer that uh, i think for me the, um, if there is a problem then the problem is that not very many of us know what our own opinion is anymore until we read that opinion somewhere online and then we join together in whichever group it is that we feel most strongly connected with. Um, it's become, rather than a, obviously just my view, but rather than becoming a really beautiful unifying tool, it's become really divisive. Yeah. Um, and there is a great motivation and a great interest from the three, the, the, um, there are three companies that in our world, um, I mean, business-wise in our business world, um, there, are th- there are three companies that are as powerful as any person that's ever lived. Um, and that's Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. Jointly, they know everything that humans have ever done, are doing, and will do. Uh, and between them, they monetize it. That's an awful lot of power in the hands of ultimately three individuals. And it was interesting. I, I didn't know about the Elon Musk uh, comment that you raised there, James, but it's interesting because in our recent research that we've been doing, Elon Musk is currently just beginning his 
very first trials with a human where he's implanting at the top of the skull a very small coin-like product which will enable humans to communicate with computers by thought only. Um, I forget what the product's called. If it comes to me, I'll shout it out in the middle of something. Um, but, you know, Elon Musk is fast joining that group of three um, to, to direct where we go and excite us and inspire us. And whilst we're busy being enthused, excited and inspired, oops, just given up a little bit more control. I've just become a little bit more compliant. Oh, damn it. Didn't mean to do that. Um, that's where I'm coming from on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it, that was his second, that was, he's his, his been on Joe Rogan twice and that was his second episode. And I forget which one of two, if, if not both, but he claims that it will, it will eradicate Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's. It was one of those. I think it was, yeah. I don't think it was Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, um, which is a pretty bold statement, right? I mean, that's, that's some, that, that's a way to, to, to gain subscribers for your products, right? Just yeah, to take away the, the risk of a, of a huge uh, illness. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'll shut up and let Mr. Scaife come in, but it's, um, it's Alzheimer's. You're absolutely right. And what can, how awful would one of us three sound if we did what I'm about to do? I don't mean it, viewers. Um, what, how awful if one of us say, yeah, he's just putting it forward under the guise of curing Alzheimer's to get all of our sympathy. What he's actually after behind all that is control. And do we really believe that we'll walk around with this little coin in our head and its only purpose is in order that we can control a computer by thought? Do we really think that Mr. Musk won't know where we are and he's downloading our thoughts weeks before we've had them? I exaggerate just to make a point. Of course, I, I should hasten to say, if it cures Alzheimer's, that will be one of the most wonderful things to have ever happened. I just don't happen to personally believe that's his main motivation. I think that's a cynical marketing tool. Yeah, that is it. That's a point that they try and make in the documentary, isn't it? That all of this begins with the innocence of improvement and the innocence of connecting people and communities and the, and the world. But at some point that stops and then it goes off on its own hybrid version in all different directions, some good, some bad. Yeah. And, and I guess one question is, can you still draw that line and say that you can, you can be innovative in this space in, with a with a true positive meaning, knowing full well that that sort of technology can't ever stay in a box and can obviously be used in many different directions, not all positive. So then you look at the very beginning of that version of the technology because that's happening all the time, isn't it? The next version, the next version, the next version, which just goes a bit further and a bit further, a bit more addictive, a bit more intrusive. Yeah, well, if I was looking at the documentary that when you look at Google, that purely set out to be a search engine and how that's changed over time. And that was a huge one looking at experts who had worked at Google, lead, lead team members. And, and were, you know, the, the, the value is based on our data, our data. Phil, what, so with a question with you, what, is, what do you see the problem, the one problem? 
and that was the, that was the one that the Ollie experts. Yeah, I mean the hard on. the hard bit is narrowing it down to that one, isn't it? And mm. I'd, I'd go with addiction, and and I don't know if that's um, I link everything back to parenting, and and I don't know if that's if that's why that's so so relevant to me. But when you when you start seeing the the um, the exaggerated and and super fast growth curve of the technology versus the evolution of the human brain and how and how they're getting further and further apart um as as humans we can't we can't keep up with i mean it's not just social media i mean it's the way games are written and apps and all sorts just to keep that that dopamine hit and that that constant and i catch myself like just logging on especially right now logging onto news channels all the time to see what the latest is it hasn't changed in the last five minutes it didn't change in the last five days but there's something in me that, that i need to click refresh oh no i'm okay again nothing's changed now i can and then and that half-life is getting shorter and shorter to need to click refresh and so so for me as a 40 odd year old adult um you then look at how that's happening with like 10 year olds who have got social media accounts the brain just can't can't handle that and it and it's and it's a, and it's an addiction and any addiction anything is okay until it's an addiction and until it's used negatively i mean alcohol is absolutely fine until you get until it's not until you're using it too much and it, and i and it's the same it's the same with this but it's very very hard um to to to, to regulate out that 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 addiction because that's how the whole thing works right it's interesting when you talk about refreshing your screen just to make sure and uh, and, and they describe that as a positive intermittent reinforcement within the documentary um so yeah every time you refresh your screen you know you are targeted to stay on that platform based on your you know what what you're interested in and all of these algorithms that are that are at play um you're talking about you, you mentioned about when you refer to always revert to family life and I think that what I'm interested to know from both of you is have you have you ever implemented restrictions of social media when it comes to family life because in the documentary there's there's a great scene around the dinner table and there was you initially saw the adverts the commercials with the um, the Tupperware tub that has a lock on it and a timer where you put cookies in it and you can't get to the cookies until the timers run down and and the the the, the mother of the family she buys that and, and suggests putting the phones in and you could see them itching to get to their phones and um, you know how have you have you guys implemented any kind of restrictions and structure when it comes to social media and devices within within your home and family life i will i mean i can jump in on that first uh, I actually watched watched the the documentary with Cooper, my eldest, and and then he and deleted. He's eleven. Is he eleven? He's eleven. Or 12, yeah. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, and he was just he was just trying to work out how to get followers on TikTok, and he watched the documentary and he deleted TikTok. So mm. it was kind of wow. like, it was it was um, I was parent, parenting via Netflix. <laughs> like watch this, and you make the decision. And it was, um, but so. But prior to that, um, we've always we've always had restrictions. But I think, especially when you link this back to the pandemic that we've gone through, and and the amount of the amount of time as well that all of a sudden becomes available to families, and 
and so you and so that there's definitely like an advocation of um of response of responsibility and, and social media gets that gets the opportunity to to fill that fill that void um so so yeah that's that's kind of our ex, our experience of it i think how about you phil i i the answer is no um uh, i mean i've since watching that documentary for example uh, everybody has switched off all notifications just as a small star but i'm not really sure that um i'm not really sure that we can put this back in the box um there are two your question james has um if you look at that the people that you're talking about like me and Phil and you that might impose restrictions are people that have had the opportunity to develop interests before all this stuff existed. The people that we're trying to impose the restrictions on have never known a time when there wasn't this technology about us. So a little bit like you saw in the documentary where one of the youngsters went into meltdown. Um, you know, th th this is a lifeline for some kids, for, for lots of young people. And um, I, I guess we've got to recognize that people in all walks of life, and, and we all have different pressures in certain circumstances, we've got different pressures of our home life. And to some people, these um, devices are entertainers and babysitters um, and so and they've become they have become um, a member of the family and so to start putting restrictions on the individual using them also puts restrictions on the rest of the family and restrictions that we might not actually be able to cope with and again you know I'm I'm um, <laughs> conscious now that I've put a, a write down wrong. What was a nice, happy little bit of the podcast then? Um, <laughs> um, for, for, I, I think these companies know what they've done. I think these companies realise that um, it would be nice to go back to the potentially there was an original intention where it was going to be used for good. But we're now seeing it weaponized. Um, you know, if, if, if what we see and hear is true, Russia has already weaponized this and there's a whole new war form because physically we've not really got any reason to go to war with each other anymore. That, you know, almost doesn't exist. Um, but we can go to war through technology. So, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think these technology companies like Amazon and Apple and Facebook, they know that it's impossible now for a good proportion of parents of young people to do that much about it. It's, it's a really tough one. Um, yeah, and I don't wanna be passive and I don't wanna be compliant, but I personally don't know what the solution is to get an out from underneath their grip. Um, yeah, I read uh, somewhere last week that um, it's from a guy called Ron Imink if you look him up, he's a really interesting character, um, comments on all this stuff. But uh, Ron produced some figures on um, Amazon. And it's a simple thing. But if you really think about what this is about to say, what I'm about to say, it's, it's mental. Um, 
70% of America's population has Amazon Prime and 25% of Amazon, uh, America's population has a landline. That's, that's just like such a significant, you know, we've cho- that's, that's people choosing to spend money, it, people choosing to spend money on some form of addictive, using Phil Scase words, they're addictive entertainment. Well, we used to have a telephone brought into the house so that we could talk to each other. Who uses a mobile phone as a, as, a, as a phone? Why is it even called a mobile phone anymore? Um, I think Apple's new one. Have you heard, I don't know if you've heard about Apple's new phone that's being released this Friday. It's the iPhone 12. And um, the fact that it's 5G enabled it is now a complete and utter irrelevance. It has the um, smallest, it has something like a, a billion microchips in it some ridiculous number that they've they've developed with a company in Europe somewhere the ability to I'm describing this completely inappropriately but I'm not a technical sort of person but if you can imagine somebody drawing a little tiny microchip and then using a piece of printing equipment that can reduce that to um, I think you can get a, a million of them on the end of a hair and this is going into the iPhone 12. So it's computing power is huge. And, and the, the apparent intent is that Apple is going down the route of, uh, apparently it hasn't updated its laptops and its desktop computers for years. Um, what it wants is to do away with all of those so that we all just have a device somewhere in between an iPad and a mobile phone. And now it's just about to release a phone that's got more computing power than most laptops have. Um, phenomenal stuff. But that's what that social dilemma was about, wasn't it? It's about these companies um, looking for power. And, and I discovered, and I'll shut up and let you two talk. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this? So Amazon have a... Um, I don't know what it is. It's not a value it's, and it's not a mantra, but they have a policy at board level. So when traditional companies, and I would suggest most companies in the world, um, think about trying to do something, they, they say as a board, what can we do to outdo our competition um, and, and what's the cheapest way we can do it? What Amazon's board sit down and their question is this, how can we do something unique and do it so expensively our competitors could never catch us up? Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting board question, isn't it? How can we make this unique thing about us so expensive nobody else in the world could do it? How can but that, that's ultimate power, though, isn't it? Being well, able to do that in, in, yeah. in a business world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you join that with Facebook and you join that with Google. That is the human race, isn't it? In those three places. Yeah. But I mean, the other parts of this though, with the acceleration of technology and, um, and, and just skills for want of a better term on, 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 on social media is that governments can't keep up. Mm. And I mean, look at anything like the taxation of, 
like governments haven't still haven't worked out how on earth they can take get any anything like a share of what's going on because yeah. they're, they're far too far too nimble far too clever and far too powerful to to to, to, to almost fall for that and governments can't possibly keep up and like CCTV laws and, and rules in, uh, well, in, in the UK, compared to what governments and local authorities have to go through in order to, in order to place cameras. And then you've got companies like Amazon. Have you seen their new security camera, the little drone? No. So it, 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 it's, it's on a hub anywhere on your property. And if, and if it senses a movement from one of the sensors, it's a little mini drone and it just takes off. And just and just does a does a fly round and it's got a speaker and a microphone and wherever you are you're recording the pictures and you know putting them on on onto the cloud and it and it'll yeah it'll just follow all around your property so I mean where does that where 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 did because obviously you're not just filming your property you're filming other stuff but everyone's yeah yeah it, and and it's and it's a yeah a little automatic flying drone with it with a camera on it. Is how does a government possibly legislate against that and how to, and protect people when it's moving that fast and that quickly? Yeah, yeah. That was the one thing in the documentary that they said that the law um, is it just it just cannot keep up. It, it has and it almost has no chance. And did you see where what was it, it was the, the was the the growth? Did you see the growth since the nineteen sixties? And um, I think I, I, I drew down the stat, and it was the actual growth was like two tr times two trillion or something, um, which it, and nothing even comes close. You know the kind of the trajectory of the increase, and it's no surprise that the, the law just can't keep up yeah. um, with, with, the, with the the speed of increase with the, the software and the devices. I mean, what I found pretty scary was that um, that two billion people wake up every day. Um, with thoughts based on what the designers at Google have created, it's like, I mean, how how scary is um, is that? And and it's talking about that that the product is actually attention. So the longer you keep some someone's attention, the longer you you maintain that and capture that, uh, the the greater product you have and the more value you have to to advertise it. I really like the way that they shot with. They were using the one the one teenager throughout with the three guys almost as like the computer behind machines trying to keep his attention and throwing alerts and putting a, a value of two or three cents on that to an advertiser and they'd put, push a red button when to throw in, in an advert and capitalize on that. I thought that was really, really good. The way that that was shot to kind of show real life and not just have experts talking. I thought that was a really good way. It's kind of like a, a movie, a movie interview style doc. Um, kind of hand in hand, which was really cool. Um, Phil, we've got an expert in in you in in terms of like exploring trends, and I imagine with this pandemic, I, I would say it's been a pretty <laughs> a pretty important area that you will have uh, have been focusing on the past four, five, six, seven months. I mean, how how on earth do you work? Uh, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're, you forecast trends, you know, that's what your business is and you advise brands and, and global companies on that. How on earth have you been able to work under this, this current climate that, that we've been experiencing and, 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 or have you at all been able to, is it just a waiting game for you? How, how has that looked? Yeah, no, it's, um, 
yeah, really good question. He's good at questions, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good at questions. Ah, uh, yeah. He's, he's not um, here to make up numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I need to take him to our next prospect call with me because they don't think of the good questions. <laughs> I'll get you out. Phil, I'll get your people to speak with my people and um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a mate's rate, rate card for you. The only thing wrong with that suggestion, James, is I don't have any people. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, really. Probably be Phil who strikes the deal for both of us. Both so. of you. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, actually, one of the... the um, we'd met one of the people in the um, uh, documentary before. And so it helped us do certain things. So I would say 70% of the research that we do is online. So we haven't really been um, held back or uh, hindered by life in 2020. Um, it's probably been one of the most, and I hate saying this too, because of what we've all been through and lots of people have been worth through lots worse than me, but um, it's obviously been one of our most interesting periods in business behind the scenes because um, watching, assessing and coming to conclusions about, so what has it changed? Um, and you used the word there, James. I mean, it, it's a significant period in the time of the human race. It's, it's one of those times that slightly changed the direction that we're all heading in and the way that we will all generally speaking behave in the future um it's interesting it changed the the if the pandemic hadn't happened we met, i'm not sure we would have noticed that documentary it's just that we have one of the things it's caused us to do is search for more documentaries because some of them are quite far-reaching um and have an impact for us so that one for example um you'll remember in the documentary that uh, one of the guys explains that when we do a search for a question we get our version of the truth and the answer to that question we get the version that google has learned that we as an individual want so at that point it was probably about a couple, I think it was probably a couple of years ago, but the, the documentary reminded us about what the guy had said. Um, so from that point, we, we now use a different browser and search engine every day and we rotate them and we spend the last um, half an hour. We spend the last half an hour every day putting in questions that we've got no interest in knowing the answer to on subjects that we're not interested in in an attempt probably feeble but in an attempt to um, foil the search engines learning of what we want because obviously what that does is the, the way that they explained it that they could completely and utterly put us out of business because they could totally and utterly screw our research we ask a question genuinely wanting a global answer and what we're starting to get is an answer that's just based on our research from last year and the year before. It kind of screws the whole business thing up um, from that viewpoint. So, um, so you are literally um, trying to screw with the algorithms to, in order to, to run 
you know, to have more authenticity with, within those, within those yeah. search engines. And that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know if it's possible and I'm assuming it's not, but for example, um, I, we will use Microsoft edge on a Monday, um, Chrome on a Tuesday, uh, 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 Yahoo and so on. So we use, sounds like a very techie Craig David song that. <laughs> yeah, it does. And friends reunited on a Friday, Phil. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, but of course, they're, they're learning all the time. So as I say, then at the end of every day, we just put in some some list of spurious questions that we just make up just, just to try and slow down the rate at which these search engines are learning about us. Um, and I think that's probably my reaction to that documentary, apart mm. from um, very quickly making sure that everyone I know haven't got to you two yet, making sure that everyone I know switches off all notifications because that obviously that increases your time. Um, and now um, using different browsers and asking different questions in order that I don't get all those adverts and I don't get taken down a very narrow dead end. They show, I mean, they showed the example on Google, didn't they? And they said it, it changed depending your location, yeah. um, your, your different demographic and, and who you are and what what um, what your interests are. It showed, if you type in, it'll, it'll autofill yeah. what they think you want. And I really loved, it hit, it hit home following that, that it said, imagine Wikipedia, that you go onto Wikipedia and the what you think is factual information changes for all three of us, depending on 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 our age exactly. and where we're based, and that's the, and you just said that's it's pretty black and white on on, on what the what the situation um, at, at play is here. Yeah, um, really um, unnerving that we've reached a point in in the development and the life of human beings. Uh, I think I may have said this to Phil at some other point, but you know, I think it's quite unnerving that the three of us probably have three entirely definitions of the truth but when did that come out it's the truth isn't it but obviously not well they were saying that, that, that there's more more money to be um, for false information makes more money than the truth and that's i guess it's no different now compared to the 1980s and uh, the, the 80s and 90s where the tabloids making lies would sell newspapers, right? It's yeah. just ramped up in the digital era. And, and so there's, it's no real difference. It's just that the, the, the kind of, the game has changed almost. Yeah, I think that, I think the, um, if there is, because I, 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 I get what you're saying, if there's a difference, it's that I can cause that confusion amongst three billion people inside of a week. Yeah as opposed to taking a decade it's, to do it. It's the scale and the accessibility, isn't it? Yeah. Is Because I was thinking about that because they talk about how it's only the same as radio and television and newspapers and things. And and it it used to be that the whichever politician was on the front page of the Sun newspaper on polling day was basically the next prime minister, wasn't it? That was kind of like, you know, how how it was said said to be working. But that isn't, it's in no way comparable to the, 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 the sheer magnitude of having 10-year-olds. I mean, I don't know 
many 10 year olds that were influenced by the front page of a newspaper when newspapers was the problem. Um, but also interestingly enough, if that was a problem of the same magnitude and you would quite happily swap someone consuming social media for an hour or consuming a newspaper for an hour, do we then reach a point in the future where we're looking back going, right, I'd rather my children consume social media for an hour than this new thing, which is even more detrimental and even got even more magnitude, you know, be it the coin in the head or, you know, whatever the, the next thing, the, the next version is. Yeah. Um, Based on that, I was surprised that the, um, the director of addiction medicine at Stanford University, Dr. Anna Lemke, um, and that she studied addiction to social media and, and, base, and, and her statement was social media is a drug. That, that was it, that, that's what it is, you know, and this is probably somewhat, arguably the best in her field, certainly in America, in the world. And um, and she talked about the, the Gen Z. And we touched on it before about, about young children now coming or Phil, you were talking about how uh, it's the first generation that, that haven't had outside interests, you know, those, those hobbies that, that we that we experience. And it was saying in, that Gen Z, the first generation that grew up with social media in middle school. Um, that's a junior school in the UK and, and they're experiencing less romantic dates. They take less driving tests and are on the whole less risk takers. So they, they don't take risks anywhere close to the previous generation. And they were saying that su um, suicide rates for preteens are up 151% since 2008. And it's no, uh, it's no surprise that that was a coincidence that that was when social media became available on mobile devices. And that's also up 70% for the same with regards to 15 to 19 year olds. Yeah. So it's like, so just, just incre incredible stats. I mean, uh, I mean, Phil, like give us insight into your contents because it seems like you know, you, you, your eldest is 11 and then middle child is, is six, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um... What are the pressures? Do you, what, what, do you, what do you experience as a parent with the pressures at school with those age ranges? Because well, that's, that, that's the thing, isn't it? You can't, as a, as a parent, you, you're almost fighting against being outnumbered. You, 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 hmm. it, it would, and, and like Phil says about the, the genie out of the box, it would be so easy if every parent in East Yorkshire overnight turned around and says, right, with no, no kids having social media or mobile phones until they're 15. And it's like, well, you know, and all of a sudden you get this mass movement and then the next day your child isn't missing out. Your child isn't not having the latest conversations and seeing the latest trends. I mean, when we, the Panini sticker album at school was like the major thing and it was physical and it was expensive for parents, but it was, it was it was a social concept. It was got got swap swap, you know, and it was and it was that whole thing, and it was addictive. We saw it as addictive in a healthy way because I mean, there's all sorts of different neuro skills being developed in that whole process. Um, but that won't happen now. I imagine if you, I mean I haven't done it, but I imagine if you look at Panini sticker sticker sales, I'm sure they I'm sure they're tanking, because I'm sure it'll be an online app or social media and some sort of collecting stamps and building an avatar of your footballer and all this sort of stuff, which will be happening in isolation in kids' bedrooms. But if I was to get my eldest a Panini sticker album and none of his mates were collecting it because they were all online, I can't win 
as I've just isolated my child, which is argument, arguably, 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 arguably um, just as bad because I've just isolated them away from the crowd. So it's, it's it is just a, a, a massive juggling thing. And like I said, unless you can, unless you could take a step back as a mass, you can't move forwards in isolation like that. You've got to, I mean, you, you, you want to take control, but the, but you have to, you've got no option but to play the game at a certain level. That's right. Isn't it? You, you know, you, you if you're that kind of looking at your child's well-being, but there's only so much control you have in doing so. Yeah. And so I guess the only way you can do it is as a dial and just dial back yeah. on certain parts and certain things, but it's not, it's not it, it it's maybe not the ideal way where you want to be but it's the healthiest compromise position that you can get to i think i'm, I'm going to ask both of you do you take do you take your mobile phones to bed and if so is it on flight mode <laughs> good question um <laughs> i don't know if i should answer this publicly <laughs> so the the answer is that my phone is um always on silent permanently um so it's quite difficult unless i'm actually looking at it um it's quite difficult to call me and there was me saying how many of us make a phone call um so i always have it on silent because i know there are going to be some notifications i, I don't know if you that get through to me i don't know if this happens to, to you guys it must do it happens to everybody i guess but I, I don't know, I'll put my phone somewhere for two hours and during those two hours, somehow some of the settings in it have been altered or I'll switch my computer off one day and when I go back to, oh, actually it happened this morning. I had a Zoom meeting earlier this morning and even though I'd unmuted my microphone, nobody could hear me. And it seems that whilst it was off overnight, Zoom had altered the microphone settings for my account now i don't know how these things happen um so i, I keep it on silent uh, so that i don't keep picking it up and i um have a <laughs> a policy do you have policies at home <laughs> that's just not right anyway. so there are no no mobile phones are allowed to go up the staircase um all futile um, things that we agree to try and reduce the use in them and I, I'm, I just think these these um, platforms as they like to be called instead of media um, their ingenuity their innovation what you've got to it's just awesome you have to respect and admire it um, It'd just be nice if they used it for a little bit more good. So short answer to your question is no, it doesn't go up the stairs, which is where I sleep. Um, and it's always on silent anyway. Nice. And Phil? Yeah, that's, that's the dream. That is. That's, just, that's, the, that's <laughs> so many steps further down the line for me. Um, so my phone does at the moment and it's, it's the alarm. I just use it. I use it for the alarm, the alarm, the, the radio alarm clock died, didn't it? And I, and I use my phone, but, and this is a world's first, 
I've actually developed an alarm clock. So this is genuine. Uh, a wearable, a wearable piece of uh, piece of tech, which doesn't need a phone to run off, and it's a silent alarm, uh, which you wear wear on your arm. And as soon as that works, then I don't need to take my phone upstairs. I can just just use that. So you haven't got that working yet? Is that so? That's a new. That's a new piece of. I, well, I've actually used it for the past three or four nights, and it's worked. So now I've got the confidence to uh, to leave my phone and anything else away and actually just just move to that and it's not bluetooth it's not like uh wi-fi or anything um but it's and i'm sure i've mentioned it before on on one of these shows is it's it's the trying to wake up but not wake your partner up like dilemma which i've i've been which i think i've i think i've certainly solved for myself um and uh so yeah so hopefully if you were to ask me this question in a week's time I'll be, no, my phone hasn't been upstairs now in a week. I trust that. Trust my new device. And, uh, and yeah, I'm not getting punched for setting an alarm at six o'clock in the morning. So. Well, but a flip, flip it. So what, that's, your, that's your, your, your kind of night routine with your, with your devices. How does it look in the morning for you both? So you get, you get up, what's, you know, at what point do you, do you go to your phone? And is that to purely have a you know a function an alarm a setting or is it to go you know what, what does that look like do you pick your phone up for social media straight off or do you use it to put music on or how, do, how does it look in the morning james you are becoming less popular with me with these questions mate. um <laughs> i had you one over 20 yeah, minutes ago right. phil yeah no but now you're making i realize i'm a, i'm an addict <laughs> the person that says i don't like these things but actually, now that you've asked the question, um, I go for a run very first. I'm out of bed, um, do a few things, doesn't take very long, and then I'm off out for a run. And I, the step counter and the distance counter is all on the phone. So that's the very first thing I go to after having combed my hair, washed my teeth pick up the phone, how many steps did I do yesterday? How far did I manage yesterday? Uh, and it already has me hooked. And, and so I've been for my run, I come back for a shower. What do I do in the shower? I put the BBC News on, on the phone so that I can hear it while it's constant. I'm ashamed of myself now you've asked that question. Well, no, that's a, it's a really great answer because, you know, you're, you're not, directly into social media but you are using your device aren't you so you go like i'm not i switch i don't touch social media for a certain amount of time but your device is absolutely essential to the to to kick starting your day in yeah. in the modern healthy way right so you you're exercising you know you, you're not essentially working you're just you're catching up with news which is what most families have done over the years with the tv and the radio yeah. um and it's all on the device now. Phil, what, how how's your morning look with your with your device and and, and social media as well? So I, my my definition of addiction in the morning then is is quite simple. Do I check my phone before or after my first cup of coffee? <laughs> which 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 one gets me first? And uh, I would say that most most mornings I'm downstairs doing some doing some breakfast with the, with the guys and I'm probably checking it as I'm making a coffee, <laughs> probably so. 
Um, but it's not not social media for me. I don't think, uh, similar to Phil, um, I don't think um, I'm not really a, a big sort of Facebook, Facebook, social media, that sort of Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Did, like did you notice that, that Phil? That's, <laughs> with, that's wait, we're, we're starting mine, to convert mine, you now, Phil. We're starting yeah. to convert you, aren't we? Mine is the news channels. Mine's the news channels. Email and news channels uh, is 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 where my addiction lies, and 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 that's where, as I said earlier on, part of relaxing for me is knowing that I've I've seen the latest news and I've checked my emails, and then I'm good for a period of time, which is probably getting shorter, but I'm good for a period of time until I go back into it. I think that's I think what we're describing to ourselves is is. Um exactly what the social dilemma documentary was about which is we're tricking ourselves because i think i'm using a step and distance counter what i'm actually telling the massive search engine and amazon and all those but is where i go what time i go therefore what sort of things am i interested in so he's going to need some running shoes he's going to need some running gear he goes up to this area because we can see that from a sat you know the coordinates so he likes the countryside. He's listening to Radio 4 News in the morning and therefore he's likely to be interested in these subjects. We're just educating these things all the time. And then I sit here with you two and I tell, I tell you that actually what I'm using is the step counter. What an idiot. I'm falling for their trick. And that's exactly what that documentary was about. I've, I've just told them all the advertising and all the search information they need to send me for the next bit of a month. What an idiot. <laughs> I thought I was quite smart. And this, this round table's <laughs> teaching me that actually. <laughs> Therapy, Therapy table. Yeah. Well, it, it isn't, there's a lot of irony at play. And this was one thing I, I watched it for the, I watched the documentary for the second time last night. I watched it. Uh, it was the first time my girlfriend watched it. And, she just pressed the pause button and she just went, so do you realise the irony here? I was like, what, what do you mean? That, that you're watching a documentary, all right, it's maybe not on social media, but it's on a pla digital platform that, that's gone, gone bonkers, which is Netflix. And then you're using that as a foundation for your podcast platform <laughs> and um, to, to, to discuss that, to talk about all of the ways that we're using it and, and where we might disagree and agree on. Um, and the fact that we all have businesses in the digital world, you know, in a variety of ways. And it's like, yeah, the, the kind of irony of it all, isn't it? That it's almost, it, it's almost impossible to, to, to get away from, isn't it? I mean, I, one, one little thing is I've never, I've never had emails set up on my mobile device. And I just, I just have always had that as that's just one less way to, to, that, I've, that, I, that I'm accessible. And um, because uh, I, I don't have Instagram, for example, that's another way. I, I, I've, of course, I've worked with Instagram in a business capacity, but personally, I don't have Instagram. And people can't believe that in terms of from a, a, a marketeer, digital marketer. And, um, but I just, I, I, for what I, it's kind of like I would never go shopping uh, I love buying records, and back in the day when it was where it was a lot of vinyl, and I would never go back to go shopping and see what vinyl was around if I didn't have the means to to purchase it. You know, and it's always that don't take your credit card out shopping if you've got no money to spend. This is 
there's always that that desire and that fantasy, isn't it? I think that's that's the way that I've tr- I've tried to be disciplined with social media is that if I'm if I don't have certain things set up, then I just can't be accessed in that way. And I think it's quite important that there's over the years been that if people say, oh, I tried to I tried to email you, did you not get that last night? And you're just like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't have emails on my phone. So when I get to work, I access my emails. It's almost like an educate, you're educating your network and your customers on how, you're, how you respond. I mean, we know loads of people that never respond to Facebook messages, right? Or But they, they may do on emails. Or, or likewise, are really active on WhatsApp, but they'll never be checking their Facebook Messenger. And I think, I think there's a certain amount at play as well that, you kind of know where your friends hang out on what platforms. And, and if yeah. you really need to get hold of them, you know, they'll never answer the phone if you call them. But if you drop them a, something on the, on the wall, I mean, have we all done it where you can't yeah. get hold of anybody and it's annoying? And so you just drop something on their Facebook wall where everybody can see. <laughs> it's funny how quickly people get back to you when you, when you do that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, an interesting but, um, point I had... Um, I was an idiot. The next day after watching this documentary, I wanted to tell everybody that I knew in social media who had anything to do with social media as a business, um, at work, you have got to find time to watch this documentary um, so that you really understand the business that you're in. But I think, and I had quite an unpleasant experience with somebody that following day, that was making considerably less politely than your girlfriend, James, the same point. Can't you see the (laughs) irony in what you're doing? But I think the lovely thing that genuinely lovely thing that came out of the documentary was that each of the people that was being interviewed were there to make us all aware of it in order that we've got the chance to make it better and put it right. Um, And I think that your podcast today, for example, maybe will cause three or four people to go and watch the documentary and two or three people to discuss it. And that's kind of how very slowly we might get things back on track, isn't it? That we've got to utilise social media in a good way as a result of the documentary in order for enough people to get on board with us and so that very, very gradually and maybe over a decade, we might actually be able to bring it back to doing good rather than where it's currently ended up. So I don't think there's irony in it in the sense that this is the way that it set out in the beginning, people trying to do good things and talk about interesting stuff. Um, It's just gone off track a little bit. Um, But I think this is a good start. I think the documentary is good and I, and I and the intentions of the people being interviewed I don't know about the intentions of the filmer uh, the filmmaker the documentary maker but the intentions of the people being interviewed in putting themselves out there was so that they could make us all aware of what we've been sucked into and to say okay now you have a chance if you want to take that chance to to change it It'd be nice to think we could there's, there's still hope right I'm not sure if Elon Musk would agree with with that, but at least we can we can consider. Well, uh, if people want to be directed to to find out more, it's on Netflix and it's the socialdilemma.com to find out more. It's an amazing documentary. For those of you who have seen it, I imagine majority, if not all, 
it's made you think um, about what is at play. And again, I think that's such an important thing because it, it's, it's almost feels like it's kind of out in the open uh, um, uh, better than it ever has been because of documentaries like these. Phil, where can people find you? Um, at home, mostly, these days. <laughs> I don't worry. We'll drop, you, we'll drop your address down. Phil's we'll pixeled everyone watching this. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's uh, scarletopus.com. Um, I just thought before I... I know you want to kick me off and get out. So just very quickly, an idea for another podcast for you, another documentary, and I'll give you a one-liner from it that hopefully will interest you to do it, but not for me. There's a brand new um, David Attenborough documentary on Netflix. It's called A Life on Our Earth. And what came out of that documentary for me was, if we don't all jointly act together with urgency, there are now a whole group of scientists in the world that think that Phil Scaife's grandchildren will be the last human beings. That's a good podcast. Wow, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm leaving more worried than I was going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, thanks so much for being on today, Phil. It's it's awesome. I mean, and, and it's it's a great kind of new format that we're throwing into the mix with a business lockdown and and uh, working on a certain topic and people and I think it's just great people going away and watching and reading and coming back and bringing across their pin their opinions their their own experiences as well which which of course we've done today and um and I want to just finish in it we if, if you've watched the Truman show before any uh, yourselves and any of our uh, uh, viewers and listeners and um and it was it was uh, Ed Harris, who's the actor uh, um, uh, on the Truman Show, and he played the uh, the role of Christoph, mm -hmm. who was the creator of the Truman Show within the movie itself. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 I think it, it's quite fitting to to sign it off with that we accept the reality of the world in which we are presented. I think there's no there's no greater statement nice. to, to finish off this episode today with with all of the the, the documentary has, has thrown at us. So, Phil Pond, Phil Scaife, James Ash, Ash. <laughs> gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very yeah. much. Thanks, Phil. Thank you so much for joining us on the Business Lockdown. Please comment, like, share, and subscribe to help build our global community. We look forward to seeing you all soon.